easiest way to find Titus, for those of you who are just starting out, is go to the end of your Bible and start going the other direction. Go left. Alright, and we're not in any rush. Titus. Titus chapter 1. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say this now. We don't usually do this. But I want to give us a, the full benefit of knowing so that as soon as we're finished we can make sure we hug their neck and, and kiss their cheek or punch him in the rib for leaving. But Cody, Cody, wave your hand. So this is Cody. And Stephanie, that's his wife, and she's next door with Orion, their son, who is two years old today, by the way. Uh, some of you old-timers, some of you long-termers, let me put it that way, uh, will remember Dwayne Culpepper, my friend that's born into God's family about, after about 25-year Bible study. Uh, Dwayne obeyed Jesus and then began an influence in his family that reached all the way to his to his grandchildren. And Cody's his grandson, his wife Stephanie, both of them were born into God's family from this place in the teaching here. And uh, Stephanie's dad is here, and we're glad of that because she acts much nicer when she has supervision. <laughs> and, uh, and I wish she was here to hear that. But this is Stephanie's dad, Rick. And they are... The reason I'm making a big deal of it is they're moving on Wednesday, moving to California. So we are starting a church in California as of Wednesday. All right. Okay, we'll let you have a few days. Yeah, we we won't put you right to work. You got your Bible? I wasn't kidding. I, there was a little bit of uh, a fun to it because I wanted to make the point. But that's how I feel, what I think about anybody who's come here, who's learned about Jesus here, obeyed Jesus and grown in their faith here like Cody and Stephanie. When they leave us, yeah, we're sad. There's nothing resentful. There's no frustration. There's no anger because wherever they are, I'll let you finish the statement, wherever they are, we are. Wherever they are, keep going, Jesus is there. Wherever they are, Now you're going to have to talk real loud. I've got this to help me, but I can't hear. That This doesn't magnify them. With all this, we have so many fans of this church. <laughs> we have a lot of fans of this church. Uh, they're going to be planting seeds. In fact, Jesus, Matthew 13 says, is planting seeds when he places them in California. Wherever they are, the church is. I don't know what their building will look like. 
I don't know what their budget will be, and I don't know exactly how they're going to handle child care. If you've met O'Brien, you understand that. But I know wherever they are, Jesus is there, and he's planting his church there. So we pray that God will bless them and increase their influence there. All right. Paul left Titus in a place called Crete. Was not the easiest place in the world to live, and I can't imagine it was a very easy place to plant a church, to build a church. But just we got some fresh faces, so let's remember. Titus chapter 1, the reason Paul sent Titus to that church, the reason God planted Titus in that place was to do one thing. Tell me what it was. And we'll, we'll just put it in our terms, depending on what your version said, but it's basically finish what God started. And of course, now God's going to be the one that ends up finishing all things, right? But we made the point, and I think it's right, that there's not a church in this town, there's not a church in this nation, there's not a church in this world that's finished. Any church that thinks they are is in trouble. Any church that thinks they figured out the answer to every question or the solution to every problem is not thinking. And they're not dealing with real life, not dealing with real people. Paul sent Titus to this church and God planted him there to finish what he started. Let's do the same. If we're here, let's finish what we started. If some of us decide to move from here to plant, and I'll let you pick the word, plant, establish, build, start another church here in this town, or in, well, whether it's across the street, down the road, or across somewhere in this nation. Like California is a pretty good reach, right? Let's finish what we started. How do you do that? Chapter 1, how do you do that? You start with men and you prepare men. Now listen to my words. You prepare men... You don't just wait around until they show up because they don't. You prepare men to be men of character, good family men, men that know God's Word and manage not only their homes, but God's church well. That's where you start. And it's not just picking somebody. It's not just having an election. It's not just having a nomination and, a, and a, an evaluation. No, it's a preparation. You start and you start to build men. Now where do you think would be a good place to start? Well I think probably a pretty good place to start is with yourself. If you believe the church needs if you believe that the church needs men who are men of character what do you think that ought to demand of us men? that we become men of character, right? Now, um, let's go to chapter 2. We've already studied it, so we're not going to restudy all this. I just want it in our minds when we go to the next statement. In chapter 2, verses 1 through well, 10, 1 through 10, Titus 2, 1 through 10, 
And as soon as Stephanie sits down, we'll get started. Stephanie, I waited until you showed up. And now you're leaving. Her dad being here didn't help at all. All right, Titus 1 through 10 tells me what about the church? What do you learn about the church just from those first 10 verses? Everybody's got a place, folks. Everybody's got a place. Now, I like the thought that everybody is involved. The truth is, that ain't so. Because in every church I've ever been a part of, you've got the, you've got the spectators. You've got the folks that just come by and kind of see what's happening, right? And they have, they'll come by today and they'll see, man, that church really is open. <laughs> and there may be some people that don't want to sweat with us oldies. So, okay, that's fine. But the, there are spectators. And I wish everybody was involved, but God is calling old men, older women, though we don't have any of those, younger women and younger men to do what? And I'll let you sum it up. Using Titus, we've already studied it, Sum it up. To be examples. Give me another one. Sum it up. To teach younger ones. Be set, keep going. Give me an example. Get involved. Verse 10. Verse 10 probably sums it up. Old men, you do what old men can do. And I love to say it. Because no old man has ever said, you shouldn't say old men, you should say older men. But if I say old women, there's going to be somebody, and already has, you know, they, well, you should say older women. I'm going to say old women because I say old men and I don't discriminate. Old men, we need you to stand up. If we're going to finish what we started, we need you old men. And old ladies, there's not any in here, but you old ladies, if you show up, you need to, we need you to do what you can do. Young women, we need you to do what you can do. Young men, we need to do what you can do. If we're going to finish what we started, we got room for everybody. Verse 10 says, here's why. So that people can see just how wonderful, attractive, special, I'll let you pick the word, the translation, that God's Word really is. Uh, Somebody spoke about this place the other day. They were trying to explain it to somebody. He said, I was trying to explain to my friend about us. And he said, I was trying to explain about the teaching we get here. And they said, you know the teaching we get here? They just open the Bible and just read the Bible. And said, that's not the way. To, now, I don't know because I'm not going anywhere else. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. So... That's We want people to see the beauty of God's Word. We want them to see how wonderful God's Word is. So we've got to show them God's Word, but we also have to show in our lives how, it, how helpful it is, how good it is, how sound it is, how healthy it is, right? Now look in verse 11. Because if we're going to finish what we started, folks, we cannot forget this. In fact, if you were putting this book together about the first thing that needs to happen if you're going to start a church, if you're going to plant a church, if you're going to build a church, it's this one. And what is it? 2.11. You read it so you know I'm not making it up. All God's 
God's grace brought salvation for... Now I want you to hear that word. Because theoretically, if you sat in church off your life, you believe that. Yes, it's for all the people. The only problem with that is... We have got a church, our church house view sometimes is kind of like Linus. You remember little Linus and Peanuts? He said, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. Right? The gospel is for all. And we got a song that we sing that way. And we got sermons that we preach that way. But what does that mean? What does it mean that the grace of God brought salvation to all men? What does that mean? It's the people we don't like, people we don't get along with. Keep going. Who's the all men? Our enemies. People that are like us and some people that are not like us. Who's it for? Who are the all men? We're just, and I guess because we've got visitors, we're being the people that we consider above us and the people that we consider below us. Though we'd never admit that there are people that we think are below us. But the truth is, we think there are people that are below us. Who's the gospel for? It's for all men. It's for me. As shameful as I behaved in my life, the gospel is for me. Now some of us grew up going to church and never did anything wrong ever. And others of us have no, had no understanding or knowledge or experience of the church and we did everything wrong. But whether you're one of those folks that sits in the church and amens as loud as anybody else or you're the person who has no idea what amen means, the gospel is for all. The gospel has appeared to all men. And he brought salvation. Circle it, underline it, make it number one. If we're going to plant a church, if we're going to build a church, if we're going to establish a church, pick whatever words you want. And if it's going to be here or across the street or just down the road or all the way to California, if we're going to finish what we started, there has to be a teaching that is regular, constant, consistent, drum beat consistency, the gospel is for everybody. Salvation is for everybody. It's not just for the folks that we think deserve it. It's not just for the folks that we think will hang on to it. I've got to say that one again because some of us are worried sick. All these people that are accepting the free gift of God, all of these people that are being born into God's family, some of us are worried sick. Are they going to hold on? I don't know. Are we going to give them a chance to hold on? You bet. If you don't know that we're doing that, something's wrong with you. Because you know what we want here. We want to save folks. We want folks to be saved. But the truth is... We save people, we let Jesus save people, we teach people to be saved. Again, however way you want to word it. Whether they, we think they're going to hang on or not. Because you don't, can you predict? Can you predict who hangs on? I got a list of names I'll go through with you, and I can tell you. I can say, here's a person that I thought, man, this guy, we'll, 
teach him, we'll baptize him, he'll be an elder in three years. And we don't even have know where he is right now. Well, we want to, some of them we know where they are. They're on state-sponsored vacations, right? And then there's other people that when they were, and I won't point to any finger, any fingers, but there were some when they were baptized, when they were received a new life, there were people that were whispering, saying, "Are you kidding me? Not to, there's no way she, no, you didn't teach her. You, no way." I don't know why Stephanie's dad just punched her, but yeah, maybe so. Do we ever know who's going to hang on? It is not our decision. What's our decision? Teach the grace of God that brings salvation to... One more time, to... I love to hear it. Say it one more time. And maybe if we say it often enough, we will finally believe it. That salvation is for all men. It's for the ones that we think need it and the ones that we don't think need it. It's for the ones that think they want it and the ones that don't yet think they want it. It's for all men. But now watch this. That salvation comes to them. They are a child of God. They have the Spirit of God in them. They are walking with Jesus. That is, They have the hope of eternal life like anybody and everybody. But it also does some teaching. Look at verse 12. Does some teaching. It teaches us to say no. Now, hang on, folks. We're gonna, I'm going to read it into the record, and then we'll go back and study. But it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll stop there. We'll read later. Do you hear what he said? This grace that saves... This grace that gives somebody a new life. This grace that gives them that hope, that treasure of a free gift of life. That grace that does that also teaches you how to live that new life. I don't know that there's anybody I've ever taught that when I got through teaching them about getting a new life, I said, now what are you going to do when you get a new life? What do you do when you get a new car? Now, some of us have no experience at that. Some of us have had hand-me-down cars, and some of us have borrowed some other people's cars for extended periods of time. But when you get a new car, what do you do with it? I, I heard it, but say it again. You take care of it. You got a brand new life, what do you take care of? What do you do? You take care of it. How do you take care of it? You got to figure out how to say two things. Two things. One of the first things you got to say is no. Now, who do you think? And I'll let you. I want to. I want you to answer from your life. Who do you need to say no to? What do you need to say no to? Where do you need to say no to? I'll let you pick person, place, or thing. What do you need to say no to when you got your new life? What do you need to say no to? To the old life. What do you got to say no to? When you're saying no to your old life, what are you saying no to? To the bar. Oh, Cody's answer. To yourself. Because myself is the one that gives me more grief than anybody else. Well, how about that old gal that you hang out with? Or what about that old man you hang out with? What about that, that place you go? 
whether it's a bar or just behind the warehouse. What, you say no to that kind of thing. Look what he says. You say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. I'm going to not spend too much time on this because I've worn us out with it here. What does, what is un, we know what worldly passions are, but tell me what does ungodliness mean? What does ungodliness mean? Hey, let, me, let me make it easier for you. we got visitors, so I want you to look really smart, okay? Well, pay attention. They're going to be really smart right now because I'm going to ask them. What does godly mean? I was, I was hoping somebody would say God-like because that's what somebody always says in church. Y'all just proved y'all aren't. No wonder y'all are beating over here. No air conditioner, you know. <laughs> I like God-like. That's a good thing to be. But the word actually means full of, full of passion, full of devotion. Awed by God is what it means. To be godly means to be filled with awe for God. So what does ungodliness mean? The exact opposite of that, right? Not, whole, not fired up about God. Not in awe of God. Now, growing up in church, when somebody said ungodly, what I think they mean? Wicked, nasty sins. Not the sins that I committed, but the sins that... Kelly did. I mean, I, well, you know. Where is he? Okay, yeah, Kelly was in. <laughs> I saw my chance there. All right. Ungodliness does not mean wicked, nasty, horrible, reprobate sin. It, it can lead to it because it simply means you're, no, you're not in awe of God. You're not filled with awe and respect and amazement at God. But folks, how many church folks Honest, church folks, honest. How much of our church life did we spend sitting in the pew, singing the song, praying the prayer, giving the dollar whether the church needed it or not, and not be filled with amazement and awe and respect for God? We were going through the routine. Grace gives me salvation and then teaches me to say no to that whole hum kind of Christianity. That ho-hum church business. Ho-hum. Well, I've been to church. So what? That's, he never said anywhere, go to church. He wants us to be church. He wants us to be together as church. He wants... Does that make sense? we got to say no to that church house thing of I've done what he asked me to do when I've sat in church. Say no to ungodliness and 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 worldly passions. Real quick, name some worldly passions. This is a, and this is a test because this is not a hard one. This is not a theological one. This is just from your life. Let's be honest. What are some worldly passions that you and I got to say no to? The lust for more. The lust for more. Greed. What else? Being self-indulgent. Just what I want, when I want, how I want. Keep going. I, I can't hear. Being hateful. Y'all are a church crowd for sure. How about sex with somebody who's not your wife? 
How about getting so mad that you fight and you hurt somebody? How about getting so mad that you don't want to hurt somebody, but you want to hurt yourself? Worldly passions, folks. Turning on a computer screen and watching things that you don't want anybody to know that you're watching. Worldly passions. All those you mentioned are right. But I know... I know me. And I know us. We got a brand new life. Let's live it new. We say no to ungodliness. We say no to that whole hum kind of Christian stuff. We say no to those worldly passions. Keep going. We say no to those things, but we say yes to some things. Now, he doesn't say the word yes here, but he turns it from the negative to the positive. So what should we do? Live. Read the phrase. Self-controlled. Upright. Godly lives in this present age. Now, folks... There are people that will tell you, man, we, you just can't live a righteous life in this world right now. Do we really believe our world is worse than what Jesus lived in? Really? If we started swapping stories with those folks, we would be ashamed of ourselves of how hard we think it is here compared to what it was for them. I... Jesus lived it in his present age. He lived an upright, self-controlled, godly life. I can do the same. He wants me to do the same. I got a brand new life. Now he wants me to live it right. And so how do I live it? I take control of it. I don't let somebody else control it. I don't let my mama, I don't let my daddy, I don't let my brother, I don't let my sister, I don't let my wife, I don't let my kids, I don't let my husband, I don't let my boyfriend, I don't let my girlfriend, I don't let my boss. I don't let somebody else control me. I take control. Keep going. Upright. What does it mean? What does it mean to live upright? You stay away from drugs. Stay away. That's good. I, that honesty. Stay away from drugs. You stay away from drinking. What do you do? Upright means what? Now, don't get, don't get too hard. What does it mean to live upright? It's real easy. Do what's right. How many times have we heard in this place somebody say to us that one of the things that they've been taught in their recovery is to do the next right thing? That's what an upright life is. It's just doing what's right. I'm sorry? Even when nobody's watching. Self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. One more chance. What does godly mean? In all of God. Live your life in awe of God. Look at how amazing God is. And if I am in awe of God, it will change the way I act, and it will change the way I react. We're done. We're going to plant a church. We're going to build a church. We're going to establish a church. We're going to multiply this church across the street, down the road, in another state, I don't, wherever. If we're going to finish what we started here, men, we need you to be men. And everybody sitting in here, we need you to do your part. And we need to make sure that the whole world knows we want all of them.
We're not going to exclude anybody. Salvation is for all men. And when you get that new life, here's how you live it. You say no to some stuff and you say yes to some stuff. And you do that even in this present age. So what am I going to do with my future? If that just took care of my past, if that takes care of what I do in my present, what's my future? While we wait for the blessed hope of the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Real quick, real quick. The thought right now to you of Jesus coming. The thought right now, and I, I want to know what you think. The thought right now of Jesus coming. Can't wait. The thought right now for Jesus coming. So hang on just a minute because i got some family to reach. The thought right now of Jesus coming. I want honest. I want honest. I'm sorry? Relief. Anybody else? Last call. I want my kids to be there. Be ready. The thought of Jesus coming. When I was a boy sitting in church and they would talk about Jesus coming, I remember hearing a guy pray one time at the end of his prayer, and Lord Jesus, come quickly. I jerked up my head. I opened my, during the prayer I opened my eyes, which is against the rules, and I stared at that boy and said, what is wrong with him? He wants Jesus to come quickly. You've got to be kidding me, man. I got stuff to do. I got places to go. You know, come on. Don't be. It's amazing the perspective of a few years and lots of mess ups. The point is here whether you want him to come now or wait a while. Our preferences won't change when he comes. But we want to look forward to it. We look to it with hope. There is hope, y'all. That's what the coming of Jesus ought to give us. It ought to give us hope. Now why? Read the next verse. We're not going to teach it. Just read the next verse. What did Jesus do for us? He gave himself for us. So he could redeem us from all wickedness and do what? And purify, some versions say purchase to himself a people of his very own that are eager to do good, zealous of good works, some Bibles say. Folks, we want to be ready for that? then let's do just what kind of be the kind of people he made us to be. Let's live redeemed. Redeemed from wickedness life. Let's live pure, working until Jesus comes kind of life. Let's live his way, not ours. And if he comes this afternoon, we're ready. If he waits a while for family or friends, we're ready. We have been saved by the grace that brought all salvation to all men. 
we now live that new life saying no to those things of the past and yes to those things in this present age, living like Jesus. And then let's look for that hope. Keep waiting for Jesus to come.
let's do some housekeeping kind of things. Man, I just have, I've got to see some hands. A uh, couple of things. Uh, if we have our men's breakfast Saturday, that's Labor Day weekend. How many of you guys would be here for breakfast? Let me see a hand. We're going to get a, a kind of a rough number, and then I will announce whether it's on or not. Okay. Now, I'm counting. That was five. If Kelly was here, he would say 15. All right. But I'll check with the second and then see what we got. Also, it looks like we're going to need to make some adjustments on our Wednesday night meetings. Uh, it's one of those good adjustments. So we're not dividing the church, we're multiplying. And there's a chance that we can start a Tuesday night meeting. Uh, and one of the things we was suggested, and no decision's been made, it's just been suggested. What I'd like to is, I'd like to see how many, we're thinking about having a meeting that's just where people that have no kids or have no responsibility for any kids will show up. Then that would leave just Wednesday night for families with kids. So it won't help next door with the number of kids, but uh, since I don't have any kids, I don't care. Uh, how many of you would come to a Tuesday night, no kidding, instead of Wednesday night, kids, church? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. A no kidding church. One, two, fifteen. <laughs> Are you coming to No Kidding Church? I didn't see your hands up. All right. Okay, good. Put your hands down. And Stephanie, you can't hold your hand up here in California. We won't be able to count you. All right. Um, I don't know. That will announce once we get that worked out. There will be a meal. There will be the same kind of thing. It'll be Wednesday night all over again, just without the kids. Now, what we may do, we may. Those who have teenagers, uh, we may that we may bring a a no kidding but teenagers church. Okay, all right. We'll figure out something and we'll let you know. Eight o'clock, hairy legged. That's usually on Thursday with the ladies' study, but the men's study is. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud. I did not say that out loud. It was too good to pass up. The European women are not. The European women's study. When do y'all start your study again? Ladies' study. Is after Labor Day? September 8th after Labor Day is when the ladies' study will start. But yes, men's study is every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. All right, after the women and children go home, we will continue to meet on that Wednesday. All right? And Rex, our study will be here. Oh, and the ladies' study will be here on the 8th with childcare. I'm sure there's something else I'm supposed to ask about. Oh, did you bring, those of you who were, had signed up to bring stuff for uh, Carpenter's Church, we're, we have uh, volunteered to supply one of the homes. Our list is back there. Everybody signed up for something, but this was your day to bring it. And everybody's going, oh, really? It was today? Yeah, it was today. But we would be acceptable to have it sometime today bring it we'll put it back in the kitchen and then Bob will load it up Did you see how I worked you in there Bob 
Okay. All right. All right, let's tie the knot. Whether you just started walking with Jesus or you've been walking with Jesus for a while, the reminder that the grace that brought salvation is for all men and there's a not only do you get a new life but there's a, you get instruction on how to live that new life um, what do you think you've learned what do you think you've learned that you would share with some of these folks that are just beginning their walk with Jesus what would you learn what have you learned? What would you share? You received salvation just like they did. You were taught to say no just like they were. You're trying to live self-controlled and upright just like Jesus wants them to. So what would you say to them? fans that they may not have heard, so let me restate at least the synopsis of that. Roger talks about when he starts to struggle with issues that have been a, a, a problem for him, had a stronghold on his life, it helps him to have older men here who've been through it or who have avoided it altogether to ask for advice, to talk to them, to pray with them. What would you tell them? What have you got to offer? What do you think? Well, we go over that a lot here. Failure is not permanent, y'all. Well, sometimes we think, well, man, I messed up. So what I'll do is I'll just make it really bad. No, 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 no. No. You mess up. What does Proverbs 24 say? The righteous man, though he falls seven times, yet he will rise again. What would you share? If you you've been at this a while. more I can share with somebody else, the stronger I get. Uh, I wish he was here. I'd have you meet him to let him tell you the story he told me. But there was a, a guy that visits with us every time he's in Lubbock. Travels all over the United States. This is his home church. This is his place. 
uh, he's a black belt, has a black belt in karate, and uh, he said that his teacher, his sensei, his his buana, when he taught, when he gave him his black belt, he said, "You understand? I'm giving you this black belt because you've earned it, but you're not going to really be a black belt." He said, "What do you mean?" He said, "You're not really a black belt." until you've taught somebody else to the point that they become a black belt. We've been talking about it with the guys on Wednesday nights. It's one thing to grow up in a family where you were taught you don't cuss, duck, dance, drink, cuss, spit, chew, you know, those kind of things. It's another thing to be able to teach somebody who didn't have that kind of teaching to live that way yourself. So let's pass on what we learned. Uh, that'll help us, but it'll also help them. Last call. What do you? Salvation's for everybody. But once you get that new life, you got to turn on that old stuff. You got to follow Jesus and live right, and you got to live in that hope that He's coming. What would you share? What would you say is most important? He says to live upright, to, to live self-control. Uh, is the fact is is that he it's it's possible. If he commands it. It's possible for us to do that, and so you you strive for that, and, and we fail, you know, at times. But the fact that he says it and it's achievable, we ought to work toward that. Good point. You hear that? Is the fact that God asked us to do that? commanded us to do that means it's possible for us to do that. He would not ask us to do something, would not expect us to do something that we're not able to do. I'm going to ask Lynn, if he would, to pray that blessing over us that we will finish what we've started here uh, or let God finish it through us. Father, thank you so much for this day, and we thank you.